1: Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I am Scott Saunders, joined as ever by football journalist and season ticket holder at Manchester United, Rob Blanchett. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, etc., and you can watch us too twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays on YouTube. Although we're dropping this show a little bit earlier just for the listeners. Uh, so head over to our YouTube channel, hit the like button, subscribe and join the community. And the link should be in the description of this episode. If you're listening on audio, Rob,
0: how are you doing today? Not too bad, Scott. I'm uh, I'm in a good mood today. Because Manchester United got to a major cup final. So we're going to talk about that today and uh, obviously... Uh, discuss here with with each other and our audience about the positives of that achievement?
1: We will indeed. Positives are hard to come by United at the moment, Uh, but we'll talk about the Youth Cup final appearance that is on the horizon for United at the moment. Uh, We'll talk about some potential future stars who've been tearing it up at that level uh, and whether we can expect to see them in the next few months at a higher level, at first team level. Possibly. We'll see. We'll do a bit of chat later on about Mauricio Pochettino as well because uh, on Wednesday night they were typically in PSG fashion dumped out of the Champions League via a collapse of PSG proportions. We've seen it before. Was that the worst? I don't even think that was the worst one. I remember that Barcelona (laughs) 6-1. This was similar, but we'll talk about, you know, what Pochettino could have done about that he's getting a lot of stick of course he is you, you can you know that there's the Spurs links uh, I think Harry who produces the podcast tweeted you could take Pochettino out of Tottenham but you can't take Spurs out of Pochettino or what something along those lines and the United actually play Tottenham on Saturday as well so we'll look ahead to that and we'll also do some transfer talk at the end of the show Tony Rudiger and Robert Lewandowski have been linked in the last few days uh, we'll dig into that too but let's start with the positives. Uh, And just before we do, a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promised Land MU. Uh, But the positives are United have reached their first Youth Cup final since 2011 uh, after a win over Wolves on Wednesday night. Now, that team in 2011 had the likes of Paul Pogba in it, Ravel Morrison, Jesse Lingard, and... You know things are looking bright. Uh, there's two names in particular we'd like to talk about here: Charlie McNeil, Alejandro Garnacho, and we'll get in. Let's get into it, Rob. What, what do you make of all this? I mean, it's good news at a time of negatives from every
0: angle. Well, the Manchester United universe at the moment, for obvious reasons, is selling sadness over and over again, negativity, and there's reasons for it, isn't there? You know, the team are not very good. They're not playing. Particularly well, um, w- we could go on about that to a blue in the face. And I'm sure we will, but there is a big positive happening behind the scenes, and it's something that I think, you know, Man United fans who have been with the club their whole life, certainly what what maybe Twitter calls legacy fans these days, are always very very interested in the youth system and interested in the youth cup. You know, the youth cup is a, a huge heritage uh, when it comes to Old Trafford and and our football club and how it's structured. So, Manchester United have made their way to another Youth Cup final. It's the first one since Paul Pogba was in the youth team. So, there's a little bit of joining dots there in terms of the success of maybe the class of 92, moving through to that Pogba era where it wasn't so successful, even though they had a lot of talent. And now you're moving on to a new set of players. And Manchester United have got a couple of worldies in their team, a couple of real young lads who look like they could make it.
1: Let's talk about Garnaccio because he's been making waves on social media in United circles and like within United for a good few months now. There was a, a goal scored a, a little while back where he essentially ran from the edge of his own box uh, to go score a goal on his own. Uh, and he's been making some waves this week as well because I think he's had a choice between Spain and Argentina about who he represents. But he's actually been called up to the Argentina senior team Although I think it is a it's a bigger squad, so I'm not sure whether it would be trimmed down. Uh, maybe you know a bit more there, Rob. But you know, that's a statement, isn't it? I mean, this kid's got something.
0: Yeah, he it is a statement. He was originally at Atletico Madrid. He's Madrid born, um, obviously with uh, Argentinian uh, heritage, and he was once described before he came to Manchester United as a jewel of the crown of, uh, of Atletico Madrid. They really did see him as really their future homegrown superstar. So he's been on the radar for a long time. Manchester United nicked him, like they go and nick some talents in Europe now and then. They have uh, been doing that quite well in the last few years, though, as well, haven't they? Because they they did get a bit of stick for not doing this that well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like this is, this is why I made that distinction there about the class of 92 in the Pogba era of youth plays. So obviously, we had Ravel Morrison there and Ravel Morrison still considered today as you know the best young talent United had that never got through. So there's always that little you know, buck stops with United. What, what do United really want to do? Do they want to promote youth or are they just going to be a, a Galactico kind of super club? And we know that Ed Woodward wanted to be a Galactico type super club. Um, but the underlying fact here is that we've been talking a lot about Eric Ten Hag and Ajax and the system of bringing through youth, you know, and that's a a recurring narrative at Man United. And now you've got this young Lagarancho and he, you know, he's still young. He's still green. He still needs to learn. needs to fill out a
1: bit as well. I would say. Of
0: course, he he does need to fill out. Like we're talking about comparison. Some people are saying, oh, he's the next Ronaldo. I think he's more akin to Giggs You know, I think he's more kind of that way inclined. And I also mean that in development. So I think even though he is still, you know, I think he's 17, isn't he? 17. He doesn't turn
1: 18 until uh, July 1st.
0: He's more like Giggs was at 17 rather than Ronaldo was at 17. You know, so he has to fill out, of course. But I do think that we're at a stage in football where the young get younger and the old get older. And what I mean by that is the, the, the gaps between what you can play at the very top are widening. So you're getting these 17 and 18-year-olds who almost look like the finished products at that age. You kind of think, wow, normally they would look a bit more green than they do. I'm not saying Grand is ready, but I do want to see him in the first team, in the first team set up soon. Because we've talked about United's lack of inspiration at the top end. Ranić's talked about youth being the answer to, to motivation. You know, there's guys on their first contracts who will just run and run and run for the manager. And we've got players there all ready to do it. So I, I want to see whoever the next coach is now next season. But I would like to see Ranić now do it is to start integrating these boys on match days.
1: Yeah, Garnacho scored a lovely goal again uh, on Wednesday night. So he's been making some waves for a while. I mean, Hannibal Medjury is someone we've talked about on hmm. uh, previous episodes, as, as we pointed out before we started recording, has been promoted to the first team. So he wasn't part of this. Uh, but that, he does seem like he will be the next one, uh, by the looks of it. But there might even be a couple of names behind him. And Charlie McNeil is the other one I wanted to uh, speak about as well. I've written got, written down in my notes "Golden Boy" with a you know a little A in the in the in the goal because he scores a lot of goals, and there's a big fuss about him as well. Uh, I think you know he's he's prolific, isn't he? And United need something like that to come through on
0: the horizon. Yeah, and he's also the modern striker. And what do I mean by that? Well, again, we've talked on our show about it, about what a number nine is today. And I think number nines are closer, say, to Harry Kane in type now, where they can drop off, play the number 10 role, link a little bit more, work around the box as well as just in it. But he can do all of those things. So, again, he's 18 now. Again, not saying he's ready, not saying he's the answer, But when you're talking about having a lack of striking options in your squad, then you've got to look lower down the chain, haven't you? You've got to look at what you've got there. And I think with Garancho, yep, time will tell. And I think next season will be more about for him and integrating him and getting him in a red shirt on match days. But I do think when you look at McNeil, there's there's something about him. He's he's mature beyond his years. As you said, He is prolific. He scores lots of goals and he's one of our own. You know, and we could probably start singing that song about him at Old Trafford on match days about do you, that. do you want to tell the backstory about him being one of our own? Well, yeah, the, the, the backstory is that he was at Man United first and foremost when he came to the football club when he was young, part of the youth system. He did go to Manchester City, and that was when Manchester City were doing their whole, you know, eating up all the talent everywhere, the Jaden Sancho's, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, But he did come back to Manchester United. He decided uh, United, I think, paid uh, a fee of just under a million pounds for him when he was still just a kid. Um, and that was viewed as also an investment. They felt that this was a player who would have a big price tag in years to come and they wanted to tempt him back to United. So so he has a history with the football club. I think he's from Gorton uh, originally. So he's a Manchester boy. Um, and yeah, he could well be Manchester United's version of Harry Kane, which would be ironic, isn't it, if Manchester United went and bought Harry Kane himself in the summer? Harry Kane
1: will be at Old Trafford this weekend. We'll talk about the Tottenham game uh, that's on the horizon a little bit later. But McNeil scored twice against Wolves, uh, Garnacho with the other. And I think there were about six, 7,000 at Old Trafford to watch, mm-hmm. um, which is a good turnout.
0: And it's for a bunch of kids, isn't it? You know, 7,000. Yeah. It's like, you know, that, if, if a League Two club got 7,000, they'd be dead happy. So I think it shows that United fans are really enthused by the youth team. Yeah, and
1: Harry Maguire was there as well, I believe. He was not the only one either. I think Dean Henderson might have been. Maybe Harry Harry Maguire was taking some
0: inspiration. And Uh, yes, we've been told that Harry Maguire was in the dressing room before the game and he gave a speech to the players about what it means to play for Manchester United. So I thought that in itself was quite interesting. That's either not true and a bit of spin or actually real leadership from a captain. Let's hope he wasn't uh, teaching them the wrong lessons, uh,
1: given the performances that he's been putting <laughs> over the last few weeks and months. Uh, but yeah, do as I say, good. don't do as I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's good all round. We we speak about McNeil and the comparisons to Harry Kane, perhaps. Uh, I, it's the second time I've dropped in Harry in this, uh, but let's—he's an Arsenal fan. You might you might have seen him if you watched some of the videos on Nighty Min. Uh, made the remark of, let's hope he brings more trophies to United than Harry Kane has managed to at Tottenham. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's it's uh, the future is bright, although the longer-term future, I would say, is bright. The immediate future might be more of a challenge. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Tottenham game uh, shortly. But anything you want to touch on there, Rob, before we move on? No, not really. But uh, it's it's
0: it's it's never as bad as as, you, as it seems, and it's always it's sometimes not as good as it seems as well. I think you're somewhere in the middle, and I think with the youth team, that United need to conduct an operation in the future years now to get our youth through more successfully, because it's all very well finding your Paul Pogba. But then you didn't develop him. He left, developed at another football club, and then you went and bought him for like 80-odd million quid. So that isn't successful youth development. Funnily enough, Paul Pogba wanted to come back to Man United. So I do think that players come to the club and want to stick with it and want to be able to do well with United, and they have those connections. But it, it, it's something that United need to do better. And again, it's, it's history, isn't it? We, we talk about the history of the football club. But it's not always present here in the present day.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's let's move on to something that's occurred in the Champions League uh, over the last few nights. Uh, United play Atletico Madrid uh, next Tuesday. Uh, so we will have a show on Monday for you uh, next up. So our Tuesdays and Fridays uh, balance or a weekly releases is a little bit messed up at the moment. But we will have a section with Rio Ferdinand ahead of that game uh, on the podcast. So keep an eye out for that or uh, or keep your ears open. Uh for, for that to come out. Uh Rio with some insights ahead of that game. I spoke to him earlier this week, but that will drop on Monday ahead of that game. Uh Mauricio Pochettino, meanwhile, was with Paris Saint-Germain at the Bernabeu and obviously has been put up as one of the two main candidates to take over as Manchester United manager at the end of this season, possibly earlier if he becomes available. And... Epic this was another fall of epic proportions from Paris Saint-Germain. Now Pochettino had managed to guide PSG through the first leg uh, where they were very much on top and Real Madrid kind of went in their shell a little bit and Kylian Mbappe unlocked the door late on. He was left open quite frequently at the Bernabéu in the reverse leg and managed to put Real Madrid uh, 2-0 down on aggregate before a wild comeback. Now... PSG have previous for this. We we mentioned earlier about uh, bottling it to Barcelona in the past under different coaches. And, you know, Real Madrid powered back with three goals in, I think, what, 16 minutes or something like that to turn the tie completely on its head. And PSG's players just looked to completely lose themselves. They did not know what was happening. There's a tidal wave of Real Madrid players. And I think everything was epitomized, really, by Luka Modric absolutely crunching Lionel Messi at one point when he was chasing him backwards, but they just wanted it more. Now, fans of United have used this performance to level massive criticism at Pochettino. So, Rob, I think we're on the same page here, but, like, is this his fault? And does this mean that he is an
0: awful choice for the next Man United manager? Oh, sorry. Um... (laughs) No, is the answer, obviously, to that. Um Unfortunately, this all becomes a big gang, doesn't it, Scott? And I'm talking specifically about Man United fans. Personally, I'm not too bothered what happens at PSG this season. They could win, become champions of the universe. It doesn't mean that Pochettino is the right or wrong coach for Man United. And unfortunately, again, football fans have got this very acute view of trophies or success, and about why you get someone. I talk about shiny toys, don't I, all the time. And fans are the same as the football club. They look at the value of that and they say, oh, well, you won this, therefore you're the right choice. No, it doesn't work like that, I think, in chemistry terms. I think with with Pochettino, for me, nothing has changed. He's a very good coach. I'm more interested in what he did in the Premier League than anything that he does in France. I do think that... the French League is deficient. I really do. So whether PSG win or not, is is neither here nor there. You lose to Real Madrid. It's a bad result. It's a bad night. But, hey, you know, you're looking at maybe Ajax and Ten Hag. And Ajax had a really bad result to Tottenham in a Champions League semi-final where they were leading 3-0. So does that make Ten Hag rubbish? So this problem with social media, and also I'll say the fan channels, not calling them out. But I think it's it's worth noting is that there's too much of this swaying back and forth about populism, about who is right and who is wrong. You know, in my manager, this is my manager, so I must be right because they won this week. Football just isn't like that, I'm afraid. If you have a longer term, you know, outlook and you want your team to be successful, you've got to build it organically. It cannot be about one or two results and that kind of shock jock that we feel all the time on Twitter, um, because I don't think it helps a football club at all.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of, oh, Pochettino should have reacted and taken off one of his famous front three, like the people above him at PSG wouldn't have kicked off about that if he'd have taken Messi off, for example, or he would have got, if if PSG, if he'd taken Messi off and PSG had gone through, he'd have been killed in the press. And it's the same issue that
0: United have in with Ronaldo, isn't it? It's the same issue, is that you buy the superstars and the superstars then feel that they have to play and the fans feel that the superstars have to play. But when the superstars don't deliver, is the coach allowed to change them in and out? Well, as you just said, I think at PSG, it's the same issue as Man United, in the sense that you've got this icon and you can't take him off because that becomes the story, doesn't it? You know, if Messi gets substituted and you lose that game, then people will say, oh, you should have kept Messi on a football pitch. Yeah. So how do you win if you're the coach? I think the, the truth is that coaches need to be empowered. They need to make the choices when it comes in and out. So I don't think that you'd probably want to take Messi off if you're trying to win a football match. Like if he's still your guy, you know, what have you got on the bench? What are you going to do? Suddenly go defensive and stick another centre back on it? You're not going to do that, are you? So I think for, for Pochettino, PSG is probably just not a good fit for his coaching style.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, when you've got a front three like that of three of the highest-profile players in the world, obviously Mbappe was great, but, you know, there was a lovely bit of skill, but he was offside twice. Uh,
0: and when, whenever a club is run by players, you're always in trouble. Yeah. So PSG are run by players, and there, and there is isn't an, an argument at Manchester United that the senior players do maybe have too much say and influence on stuff when it comes to it. So when we talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer remaining or not, you know, I don't think the players got in the sack but certainly their body language, their performances on the football pitch showed a little bit too much.
1: And You look at Ten Hag as well and think, oh, well, Pochettino's struggling to manage a team of Neymar and Mbappe and Messi and get the best out of them. Ten Hag's never managed with that before. He's, he's never had that experience. So if, you, if you're considering like, oh, Poch has shown that he can't do it with PSG, what do you think? Well, you can just chuck someone untried in there instead. Look, I, I'm look, not saying yeah. that I prefer... But I, I'm probably more Ten Hag than, than Pochettino camp at the moment. But there's problems with whichever one you appoint. Because it's totally
0: a deeper yeah. problem. Look, 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 Tuchel couldn't do it at PSG. Got sacked. Had a few months off. Won a Champions League with Chelsea. With an arguably inferior Chelsea team. You're probably still inferior to PSG today. So, it, it can be done. And I don't think you should judge managers simply on results or simply on trophies you've got to look longer term it's got to be about personality fit scott you've got to look at someone if you're you're trying to um employ for an elite business and you want people in the right positions you've got to look at personality and how they do things yeah exactly
1: i mean well psg are out of the champions league now uh, there yeah. were suggestions that Poch could even face the sack earlier than the end of the season. There's been, I have this kind of feeling in my mind that is he is it really that bad a fit between club and and Poch and players that out of spite they might (laughs) deprive him of the league title in in France that he's in line to get because PSG are miles clear at the top of the league. But I think Leonardo came out and said after the game that this is not the time to throw things in the bin uh, per se. So. It does seem like Pochettino will see out the remainder of the season. And, of course, if they end up sacking him, they do miss out on a potential payoff that United would give them if they go and appoint Pochettino from PSG. So, yeah, we'll see. But, you know, I don't think that one is going to be going into next season regardless of whatever happens. And another point I wanted to kind of make as well is I've seen some fans suggest, oh, if we go and get Pochettino, then Ten Hag will go to Man City in 2023 and they'll be perfect and Poch will fail at United. And we should have got Ten Hag. Reverse those situations City get Pochettino and they still win because City, us from the top down, organized and United aren't. So that's
0: and that's the song we need to keep singing because this is the thing. It's like the coach is the most important guy at the football club in terms of your structure but the structure comes from the board. So the board have to implement that first. So we just said there that personality wise, that maybe Poch doesn't fit PSG. And in the same breath, we said PSG are a little bit like Man United. So, you know, you know, why would he be more successful at United or why would then 10 Hag come in and say, well, hang on, I've been doing it at Ajax with this youth system. We talked about that at the top of the show and United got a good youth system. However, I have to play the Ronaldos of this world or the structure towards the football club is superstars. So this is why culture is so important and culture needs to be reset. And United fans, I think, need to kind of take a deep breath because at the moment they're so exasperated and it's almost like hyperventilating around information around coaches and this war now between Poch- uh, Pochettino versus Ten Hag and United fans feeling they have to be in one camp or the other. Maybe, just maybe, don't be in any camp. Just take it away for a bit. Watch your football team and see what happens. Because this is why I was saying before that I was originally wanted Ranjik to get the job. Because then you've got a coach, haven't you? And you don't have to think about it too much. I think United fans like to think about these things.
1: Yeah, let's, uh, let's look ahead to this weekend because Pochettino's former club Spurs rock up at Old Trafford. In, It's not a battle for the top four, really, is it? But it kind of is because United absolutely have to win this game.
0: It's like a queuing if... system for the top four. It,
1: it is, isn't it? But <laughs> we've seen in the past few years that there are clubs who just... That fourth position, it just seems like nobody's ever wanted it. So... Arsenal are in poor position at the moment with a few games in hand. Tottenham have a few games in hand on United too. And if United lose this game, that's it. It, Is it? Is that it? Do you (laughs) think? Or are there
0: going to be more twists and turns? I think there might be a few more twists and turns. Um, It's a must-win for United in the same way it's a must-win for Tottenham in the same way that Arsenal games are all must-wins. What I'm more interested in... In overall, and again, this kind of links all our segments together nicely, is that we talked about Arsenal last week, and I don't want to do a kind of reoccurring Arsenal theme on this show because our our audience will get bored. But Arsenal are doing it through taking the pain, taking the medicine, allowing the youth to develop and getting to where they want to be. You know, I'm going to say, Harry, our producer, just put up in our, our private chat here, you love Arsenal, admit it. So um, I don't love Arsenal, uh, (laughs) but I do like what they're doing. And I think that football clubs should be built around what Arsenal are doing at the moment. So you give Arteta the power to develop youth. The next May United manager comes in and we know we're talking about Spurs here, but going off topic, but you want them to be able to have the uh, Gnanchos and you want the McNeils, you want these guys to be given time, don't you, in the first team to develop. So, there is a link here that Arsenal are doing it and they are being rewarded in football terms, in terms of their position in the division.
1: Yeah, uh, United will go into this game with Spurs with reports over over the last few days that Cristiano Ronaldo hasn't been training because of the hip flexor problem that he's Mm. had. There was actual doubt about whether he was actually injured or not, but it Mm. does seem as though he
0: is injured or he has been injured, so He's definitely injured. Like he's yeah. like he's hundred <laughs> percent injured. And 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 again, this is this was a narrative before the derby, after the derby, and in the days following. The and stories have revolved now, haven't they, around this kind of discontentment around Cristiano? I believe that he went back to Portugal. So the story was, <gasps> was he given you know uh, notice by United? Did United allow him go to go back to Portugal? Well, if he's injured and he needs some time off, and he's let's be honest, he's played a lot of games, has not he? Recently, he's going to end up having these injuries through repetition. So he probably needs a break. And let's be honest, Fergie used to do it with him all the time when he was a kid. He'd let him go back to Portugal to spend some time at home to recover. He probably needs a week or two off because he's played so many games. It's a, it's not his fault that he's got injured. It just happens. Yeah. The guy is also 37. Totally. So as much as yeah. you want to uh, see him play
1: every single game and as much as he might want to play every single game, yeah, I think we've learned this season that he's got to be managed in and out of the team because it has to happen. It happens to everyone. And Ronaldo's been a great player. He's been so consistent. He's avoided injury and this kind of stuff for years and years and years. Scott, he looks like an toward... old
0: man on the pitch now. When you watch him, there are periods in games where he's got his hands on his hips and he's got bent over double. And you can see he's struggling. So I think United need to look at that physical evidence and move on very quickly. So we just talk about McNeil at 18. I'm not saying that he is a direct replacement for Ronaldo, but do you know what? He might be. You know, look at Alanger. Alanger at the start of the season, not one of us would have said that he'd be an automatic first-team starter, would we? And that was only a few months ago. And I think even when Ole was the manager, we'd have said, no, Alanger's nowhere near ready. Another year or two, maybe a loan spell. And he's he's come out. He's got his own song. He's burning it on a football pitch and proving that he's a Premier League player. I think United have got one or two diamonds hidden that they need to unveil. Yeah, just to go back to Ronaldo and the Spurs game. Do, do you think Ronaldo should be rushed back for this one? Is he no, no?
1: no just just uh, sorry on to on jump in on, on you. On. No, no, <laughs> no,
0: no, 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 no. Because this is the whole point. It's why, why we're saying these things. If, if we're going to do it like this, where everything is about the stars and everything is about the the kind of core narrative, then Manchester United are going nowhere, and fans have got a grip of that. Fans have got a no. That, that is how it is. Even if you love him and you've got his number on the back, number seven, and you sing his songs and you do the whole Sioux dance every day when you get out of bed, it doesn't matter. This is a football club. You need to look at it from sporting terms. Cristiano is injured. There is no point in rushing him back because we need him later on in the season. You know, the season isn't over. Of course, you'd want him back for Atletico. I'm not, I think that, that maybe he'd be back for the Champions League and that might be a, a better target. To, to bring back for... I think the Tottenham game, you just go with what you've got. You know, is Cavani going to be available? Does he fancy it? You know, I think that's probably a bigger question at the moment. Does he fancy it is a good question. For that. And like, I think that's a question now being valid. Can, I, can, I, ask, I, can I ask you about Cavani? Because how, how
1: do you feel about that that situation personally? Because it frustrates me, in a sense, to see that... Yes, he is... I think he's, what, 34, 35? Uh, 34, yeah. 30, yeah. 34. Now you know okay like protect yourself and take care of your body and that kind of stuff but is it too frequent like i think there's a there's a growing narrative that the second season around kivani has been well it's obviously been a failure for now uh but it's just a frustrating one he's getting he's getting a paycheck but he's not really making himself a, available as often as he maybe should be
0: yeah, I think when he signed for the football club, we talked to kind of intermediates, people that knew him and one thing or another to kind of get a little bit of lowdown on him. Now, obviously, everyone knows who Edison Cavani is, but, you know, kind of the, the mindset of the player. And one thing that came out repetitively and certainly when he signed was that he will not play injured. So if he's injured or not fit 100% because he can't give his, you know, he can't do that running, he can't do that high-energy style he will tell the manager i'm not available. So that's something i think he's done throughout his career and i think that's all we're seeing now so he did have an ankle injury he has tra- he has trained off the back of that and vanique has confirmed that he looks quite good in training but i do think this is the case of the player not making himself available he's thinking i haven't got long in my career i'm not going to risk myself for a game at tottenham hot against tottenham hotspur. And that is, I think, more the story. And football fans, again, want players to put their bodies on the line and do all these things. But ultimately, players are brands and their businesses themselves. And we know Edson Cavani is already looking to the future outside of Manchester United. So if he gets injured badly at the end of the season... Then that's the end of his career, isn't it? At thirty-four, you're not you're not gonna get that. Thirty-five actually is thirty five. So, last so they're all getting older, you know. Since they all get a year older very quickly, much more within a year. Yeah. Uh, and I think for Cavani, that's the problem. This is why we are talking. I keep you know, we're talking about the youngsters because you have got players in the background that you might be able to throw in and do what Alang has done. I think what we will probably will see, because the issue is maybe Marcus Rashford, is that Rashford's form is so poor. Do you just try and play Rashford into form as a number nine? But I think most Man United fans would push against that.
1: Yes, indeed. We'll see how uh, this Tottenham game goes. I don't really want to dig too far into it because... Sick of talking about the same issues of (laughs) (laughs) effort levels and this, but it's a yo-yo, isn't it? Because Spurs go out,
0: Spurs can go and beat Man City, and then Spurs will lose the next week, and Spurs will go and score five, and then Spurs are terrible next week. So United are kind of in that in that. You know, vortex as well with Spurs where Spurs could turn up United could hammer them or United could just have a little jog around and lose 3-0. So there's always that isn't there with this fixture. These two clubs are very very samey in in many ways. Yes indeed. We'll see how it goes. I mean I don't really hold out much hope. I think the Champions
1: League is the only thing that United have got to play for now this season really because I I don't think United will end up getting top four. But you you say there might be some twists and some turns uh, but we'll see this weekend. They definitely need to win if they, if they want to get in the top four, I think, but we'll see how it goes. And Rob, let's, let's move on. Uh, final section of the show today is a bit of transfer talk. Now, uh, we've reported at not min and like it's come from different sources over the last few days as well of United's interest in Antonio Rudiger at Chelsea, uh, who's out of contract in June. And as we record this, uh, Chelsea have been sanctioned, uh, and it does mean now that they actually would not be able to extend Rudiger's contract. Like I'm just just thinking of this, so it, he, is, he is on his way out, and I think he was intending to anyway, uh, but Chelsea's assets have been frozen because of Roman Abramovich and the UK government have enforced a bunch of rules, and it does seem like they can't renew contracts of players to so Rudiger's out, uh, and this is, as I say, fresh as we record this, but United have been interested in Rüdiger over the last few months. And you wouldn't automatically think that Rüdiger would jump to United because he's got a lot of options. Uh, but Ralph Rahnik's a fan uh, and what we'll maybe do Rüdiger first and we'll talk about the second player in a second. But what do you make of the Rüdiger interest, Rob? Can you see it coming off? And is he, is he the right type of
0: player to be targeting? Potentially. You know, I, I think... When you look at Rudiger and obviously what he's achieved at Chelsea, he's obviously won the Champions League there. He had a little bit of a hit or miss time, I think, earlier in his career. Chelsea fans were not particularly happy with him. Tuchel has proven, working with the player, just what he is. You know, we knew what he is before he came to Chelsea. You know, that is he was a top international centre-back. Will he go to Manchester United? We'd heard a few months ago that there was some link and some smoke around that in the sense that Manchester United like the player and the player vitally would like to stay in the Premier League if the offer is right, if he's got the right offer. So there's still no doubt, I think, that the big European clubs are maybe his favourite destination. But you've also then got to understand that if PSG, well, not PSG, sorry, but if Barcelona and Real Madrid have money problems, they still continue to do. I know they're, they're very active but they can't really give out multiple big contracts in maybe the years gone by. That it means the English market remains the most desirable to both agents and players. So he's proved himself in the Premier League. He's proved himself. He can win a Champions League with an English club. And Manchester United might might need a centre back in the not so distant future. Um, will United go young and look for maybe you know maybe like a Ted or someone like to come through possibly. But I think in the short term that if you decide that, say, Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof are surplus to requirements, I think we are moving towards that way that you, go in, you need to get someone proven and you can pay him a big wage and get him for free. So I think there's also a little bit of smoke there in the sense that he's not signed a pre-contract agreement with anyone yet because you can do that with European clubs. And that's been completely taken off the table, which is really interesting, because I think by now we would have heard something. It's a little bit like Paul Pogba as well. Normally that that circle from agents starts very early when they're going to a football club and you hear about it long before the, the pre-contract is signed. And when they're available, it normally means that something else is going on in the background.
1: Yeah, true. I think a lot of it might depend on as well, uh, you know. In United's case, especially, do they make the Champions League next season? And I, they, they can't approach Rudiger at the moment anyway. I think it's the final, few, final 30 days of his contract before they can actually make an approach. Yeah, English clubs uh, can't do that yet. Between right. English clubs, whereas mm-hmm. uh, foreign clubs are able to in the last six months. But uh, he's got plenty of options uh, from what we know. Bayern have shown interest, uh, PSG, Real Madrid... You know, there's there's a bunch of massive clubs in Europe who
0: Let, will, Yeah, let's just compare on. and contrast with that. Christensen is going to Barcelona. Yeah. We know that. That's going to happen. He's not signed the deal, but we know that he he's going to go to Barcelona. So this is what I mean. Is that the fact that we don't that we don't really know what Rudiger is doing at the moment means I think that the kind of play is open and it means Manchester United could exploit that. Let's talk about one other player. Now, fans have been quite fast to brush this
1: aside, because it is kind of dreamland, but it doesn't mean that there's no interest there, because who wouldn't be interested in Robert Lewandowski? <laughs> uh, I think he's one of the older guard again, so I w- maybe wouldn't advise that it's the best move to make, but he is still... You, know, you, you think of Karen Benzema, and you think of who's got a hat-trick against uh, PSG, and, and then the night before, Robert Lewandowski scored a hat-trick himself, and is probably the most prolific player in in football, in the world, as it stands at the moment. Now, he's out of contract next summer, I believe. And, you know, I think there's been some interest. Bayern might need to regenerate. He, Like I say, he's 33, you know, 34. And if he's out of contract in, what, 18 months' time or less than that, then they're going to have to look to the future. And Erling Haaland's coming up on the market. There's going to be other players on the market too. Uh, do they look to move Lewandowski on. And what does Lewandowski do? United have uh, shown interest in him. I can't see it happening personally, but it doesn't mean that they can't show interest. So what do you make of... Uh, would Lewandowski be a great fit for number nine at United?
0: Be great fit for the commercial department at Manchester United. He would, yeah. Yeah, but a big fat no from me. Look, again, when we talk about targets and who Manchester United should buy or what Manchester United should do... You can't just go by the by the past and past records and history and go, oh, well, you know, if you have got Lewandowski five years ago, yeah, great. But scoring 40 goals a year in Germany is not the same as trying to score goals in the Premier League. It just is not. We're seeing it with Cristiano, aren't we? So Cristiano has been the most prolific goal scorer in history, you know, 800 plus goals and has scored goals for Man United this year. Like he hasn't not scored goals. Lewandowski would also score goals, but would he help you win? I think the answer to that is, no, you need a different type of striker. So, you know, I quipped about Harry Kane at the start. Harry Kane as well is not particularly old, but he's not young either. He hasn't got years ahead of him. Manchester United need to start thinking really long-term about the striking position. You know, in the same way that Manchester City have gone out and bought Julian Alvarez, I think Pep said yesterday, he went, I smell goals. That was his answer to when they asked about Alvarez, that's all his answer was. I smell goals and goals help you win. And that's how Man United need to be. You can't be, have these short-termisms about commercialism to get you where you need to be. You need to go and get that next player who's going to take you to the next level. You mentioned Haaland as well. I would love Haaland at Man United. I just think the competition might be a little bit too hot um, because every club in the world is going to want him. But if you did have an Erling Ireland, you could then build your attack around a really super elite number nine.
1: Yes, I, unfortunately, that pull that Ollie had once upon a time. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> Ranyik never... <laughs> does know him because Ranick, he played for Ranyik's clubs at Red Bull. So, you know, Ranyik has that link to Erling Haaland from his youth development. So we could argue and say that Ranyik is actually more influential to someone like Haaland because of his being the technicality and the technical boss that he was for him when he was at Red Bull. Or you can come to the Ollie part where, where they were friends and he was manager for him at Mulder and all of that. Does that really matter years later? I'm not quite sure. But I do think that Ranick has has the ear of Haaland and his people because he's he's spoken to them and and he was a guy that recruited him, first of all.
1: There are, however, even as a United fan, I can admit, there are better choices for a player of age 21, 22 to move. There, there, there are better choices for him, I think, you know, Real Madrid will probably end up getting, especially after last night, Kylian Mbappe on a free. That's been mooted for two years or so. Uh, they've tried to sign him yeah. for big money, but he's out of contract in six months' time. Uh, Haaland will probably end up moving too. We should know in the next few weeks. I don't want if if he turns up at City. Honestly, I'm just I can't be bothered.
0: <laughs> I, do you know? I actually I think now that the the indication is that it won't be City. I think Bayern Munich might be the team. I think Bayern Munich, if they don't offer Lewandowski the deal that Lewandowski is kind of knocking on the door for. And again, we've just talked about being progressive, haven't we? You've already got a guy in the Bundesliga doing it at a rival and you tend to go and nick that rivals players, (laughs) you know, like Brucey Dortmund have been a feeder club for Bayern Munich for many, many years in some, uh, some aspects. So that would not surprise me. And I do think as well, it's about the size of the contract. So, Uh, He'll get a much bigger contract, obviously, at Bayern than than he's got at Dortmund. But where does he go from that? If Mbappe goes to um, uh, to Real Madrid, then the other destination in terms of big clubs are going to either be the English teams or PSG. So I think PSG would be more likely to pay the bigger contract. But Manchester United are also known for playing pretty big contracts. So I don't think they're out of the reckoning. It's just that I think they're more on the peripheral and the fringes. This isn't
1: the Man United section, but I'm actually just curious. I, I, with Mbappe going to Bar- to, to Real Madrid mm. and knowing that Barcelona managed to somehow pull off the funds to go and sign Ferran Torres, uh, I just think that there's an appeal there of Messi versus Ronaldo 2.0 and Haaland could end
0: up at Barcelona. That's my bet anyway, uh, but I don't know. I think Stranger could, things have but, happened. Yeah, of yeah. course, but it's, it's, does it does it fit what Xavi wants to do long term? So are Barcelona going to try and do a quick reboot and try and get themselves back in the title picture next year? Or will they look, you know, below the surface and try and build something in that kind of Catalan image, you know, that old Dutch style image, having Xavi in charge? Because that's what you would expect with Xavi being there. However, it doesn't mean that's gonna be the case. You know, can they really afford Haaland if he's on half a million pounds a week? I think that you know at the moment the answer to that is no they can they can afford Fern Torres because they can go and get a bank loan you can't really get a bank loan for half a million pound a week for a new player so this is the I think the balancing act but you're right I, I do think that that would be desirable in the Liga like they want to pull some of that glamour back from the Premier League so Premier League's winning that battle um, yeah. but that's why I think Bayern are also in the in with the big yeah. Shell. yeah.
1: I think there's just some magic that Barcelona and Real Madrid can end up somehow doing that maybe people don't expect. But anyway, we're we're off topic. We're supposed to be talking about Man United. Uh, It's all linked. uh, It's all linked, It is all linked. It is all linked. But sometimes, uh, you know, United aren't the most fashionable thing to talk about. And sometimes it can get quite draining. But we have done some positives on United today at the start of the show. Uh, And hopefully we'll be talking some positives on Monday after United play Tottenham. Uh, fingers crossed. I'm not sure uh, whether United will manage to win this game, but do you do you have a gut feeling about how it'll go?
0: <sighs> no, I don't, because it's so <laughs> it's so it's so erratic, isn't it? And I think that this is why it's tough being a Man United fan at the moment. You know, I'm talking about the supporter base in general because you just don't really know what you're getting. And this is why I also play devil's advocate and go to the other side and say, well, they could still win the Champions League. They are that erratic and that crazy that they could go and do something marvellous and shock us because they do have the talent. It's just whether Ralph can get these guys doing the right things week after week. I think what we're seeing, I, I said after the city game and I got a bit of flack for it. I said that he got the tactics, right? That Ralph got his tactics in place. Now I want to see that team come out for the next game. Cause I think that if you, if you have a, a team that's not man city, those tactics will probably work in a Premier League. It was pretty good energy in the first half. It's just that you've got to find a way to maintain it. So I think with Man United, it's going to be a tough game, obviously, against Spurs. And there's lots more tough games to come in the weeks ahead. It's So United need to be a bit more secure in their own skin about what they do on the football pitch.
1: We'll see how it goes. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, just a reminder, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods on Apple, Google. Spotify etc and you can watch us twice a week on the Promised Land YouTube channel on Tuesdays and Fridays generally although we've said that over the last few weeks and we've changed our days a little bit earlier I don't think we'll ever be late but you know or if if we are going to be late or miss a time then we'll let you know ahead of time Follow us on Twitter you'll find out everything the minute it changes we'll tell you You will indeed you can find us at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promised Land MU on Twitter Head over to the YouTube channel if you listen on our audio because we'd love to build a subscriber base. Hit the like button, subscribe and join the community. And you should find the link in the description of this episode. But thanks for listening, everyone. Fingers crossed United can get back to winning ways against Tottenham this weekend. But we'll see you early next week ahead of the Atletico Madrid Champions League game. Thanks for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or Mc Crispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo fish Sandwich all day.